You're listening to the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast with Joris Brion. Hey, this is Joris of the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast. And today I'm super excited to talk to Luke Peters. Uh, Luke has started over five businesses and his current brand, uh, Newware Appliances, is actually a leader in this category. Um, they sell amazing wine coolers, beer coolers, and a lot of other unique products like portable ice makers and cooling fans. Um, he actually started Newware as a as a side hustle out of his garage, and uh, on top of that, he's also the host of the Page One podcast, and he runs an agency called Retail Band, and that's an agency that helps brands grow their sales on uh, sites like Home Depot and Wayfair. So I'm sure this is going to be a very interesting episode. Luke, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you, yours. Thanks for having me here, and uh, pleasure to be on your show. Cool. Um, yeah, just to get started, um, I'd, I'd love for you to tell a bit about your background. How, how did you get started in e-commerce and how did you get to this point? Sure. So long story, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the short version and then you can okay. uh, you know, dive in if you need to. But basically, um, graduated school, was a um, hazardous waste scientist for a couple of years. And then my um, brother was selling stuff online, like computer parts and batteries around 2001. And that kind of piqued my interest mm-hmm. and looked into you know, online business and online sales around that time, which is right after the dot-com bust. So there was a little bit of a vacuum and it was a nice opportunity. And uh, basically just, you know, the quick version is just started the business by um, getting into more of like an HVAC category. So a lot of heating, ventilation, air conditioning. So like a lot of portable air conditioners and heaters. And at the time it was a, it was a nice category because um, online it was pretty wide open. Um, mm-hmm. And along the way, I learned SEO, sold direct to consumer. So for the first ten years, it was you know a lot of things that are um, common in your um, podcast topics. You know all the uh, conversion optimization and and actually back you know if you if, if you remember like two thousand two to two thousand twelve, um, there wasn't a Shopify. So it was you know mm-hmm. we built our own platform to run multiple websites and multiple domains. You know depending on what the Google algorithms were doing at the time, we were able to rank really well mm-hmm. and uh, did that for a long time. And then, you know, things changed around 2012 and I made a big change in my business and we pivoted and to selling to the large retailers. So the focus then is selling to the large retailers. Most of our business is now doing that. But at the same time, we've just uh, kind of reignited our uh, newair.com website the last two or three years. And now we're growing our direct-to-consumer presence as well. So because we want to own the brand image. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, of course, a lot of experience doing that. So, so yeah, so we're still doing direct to consumer. Um, main focus, though, is selling to the uh, larger retailers because, you know, they have more eyeballs than, than we're ever able to generate. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what we're doing um, with newair.com. Okay. Yeah, cool. So um, how did you come up with the idea to, to, to step into this category? Because it's, it's probably not that obvious to go into this category. Did you have, like, previous knowledge or... Yeah. No, I didn't have any knowledge. So I just, I basically, because it was on the bottom of Yahoo, they used to publish the top 100 search terms on the bottom of their website. That, that was just yeah. always there. And um, portable air conditioner was number three when I looked that one day. So it must've been a big heat wave over here. But uh, <laughs> I said, well, there, this must be a good category to to look into. And, and lo and behold, it was it was a good category back then. Yeah, it can be easy to, to make that decision. And uh, did you start your own brand right away, or did you start selling other people's uh, appliances first? 
Yeah, good question. So at the beginning, other people's, and then within two years, our own brand. So the newer brand is pretty much from the beginning. But you know, after about two years, after kind of learned more about supply chain and and uh, importing and and how to work with China factories. But at the beginning, um, you know, over here in the states is a company called Granger. They're a big mm-hmm. uh, um, kind of uh, industrial supply company, I guess. And you know, they mm-hmm. supply contractors, and and so we literally just started selling stuff out of their catalog. I just called them and got kind of some preferred pricing, which wasn't very preferred, but it was about a 10% discount. And and then we just started listing their products online. And that was at the very beginning. And then, you know, we got uh, more knowledgeable about how to work with distributors. And eventually we worked directly with about 400 brands uh, before I made that big change, you know, probably, and then kind of right around 2013, 14, 15 started kind of really cutting and stopped uh, basically eventually stopped a hundred percent selling other people's brands and then just focus on the newer brand. Okay. So, but that was a transition of a couple of years. Yeah. It took a few years because, you know, we, we still had a substantial business when in 2013 we made the pivot to, um, you know, I guess what could be called wholesale, but selling our brand, you know, to Home Depot, to Lowe's, to Wayfair, to Amazon. So we still had a substantial business and then we're changing the whole business to sell wholesale so it kind of like slowly, um, we slowly kind of cannibalized that existing business. You know, we would slowly just trim partners who were not the best. And and at that time, I think it was a common model because, um, you know, we were fortunate to do it. But what I mean is like a lot of brands would be selling to many, many websites, but then they kind of realized, why am I doing that? I might as well just sell to, you know, Amazon and a couple of other big guys. And, uh, you know, so so at the same time, we were you know, getting, we were stopping selling those brands. It also, the trend was kind of going that direction as well. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so for people who want to start their own brand, do you have any advice people who are now selling other people's stuff and they want to transition to uh, their own brand? Yeah. Well, that's a, that just depends on the category, but um, yeah. I would say the first thing to think about is you kind of have to now, you know, now yeah. the days are kind of gone of, of really being a reseller in my opinion. I mean, you can still, yeah do it. It's just harder because, you know, you, you have a lot of big, big players out there that are gaining, um, they're gaining the search traffic like Amazon and, you know, Wayfair and all these other guys. So, um, that's the first thing is that you kind of have to build your own brand and it still can be done. Um, you know, selling direct to consumer on your website, but most people will also utilize a site like Amazon. So it's just going to depend on the product category and what somebody's strength is in. So I would say, you know, the quick advice would be that you have to think that way. So you have to build mm-hmm. your brand and then probably, you know, find a niche category and uh, maybe sometimes go against the grain. You know, sometimes uh, small products um, are are just way too competitive. So, mm-hmm. you know, go against the grain and maybe look at something that's a little bit more difficult to work with. It might be harder to ship. Uh, it might be more of a challenge to sell. Um, I kind of actually like those types of categories because uh, if it's small, easy to sell, never has returns, well, there's you know a million other people are also doing that same thing. Um, so those can be a challenge. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, way of looking at it. Absolutely, and I, I get why why it works actually. Uh, less competition, basically. So yeah, good idea. Yeah. Um, so with with retail band, your agency, you help your clients uh, get to page one of, of uh, sites like Home Depot and, and Wayfair. First of all, when I when I looked on your site, you're not really talking too much about Amazon, uh, but rather about those other sites. Uh, whereas I would assume most people who want to um, 
sell to marketplaces, they, they'd probably think of Amazon first. Um, why is that? that you don't <laughs> that's a good question. Well, yeah. So nice. Uh, that, that's a good observation. Basically, because look, I don't need, I didn't need to start another business. I've already got one. Yeah. So I'm, um, I don't know. It's kind of, first of all, you know, it's, it's, I'm already, I already don't have enough time in the day. And I, so I wanted to do something uh -huh. I enjoyed, which was I didn't want a company that was just like every other company. So when we go into a pitch, we're helping people in an area that really nobody else is even offering this service. Mm -hmm. So I, I like that kind of business. Um, our audience is maybe smaller. But at the same time, um, we can just be honest and we can be straightforward. And there's literally no other company doing it. So there's no competition. And so we can just feel good in, about the offering that we're providing and then not have to worry about being in a commoditized uh, category. Now, what's happened is we actually are helping people on their Amazon accounts because okay. you know that, that, that just happens because they probably need help there. But that's not part of our pitch. Um, and we have all, you know, I've... We've worked with Amazon from the very, very beginning, so we know it very well, all all sides of it. But uh, yeah, that that's a good observation. But what we do is, um, and and then we also work with influencer marketing. So we do some types of um, offering. We have some offerings that they they can't really find anywhere else in the marketplace in in the way that we do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, why would you advise people to look at those other sites like a Home Depot and a Wayfair uh, on top of Amazon? Because I, I think like Amazon is the, is the obvious choice for a lot of people, but what makes the, the other sites um, so interesting? Yeah, well, it, it depends on the category. So like if you're selling mm -hmm. consumables or some products, they're just not prevalent on those other sites. But on the flip side, you know, if for like a, if you're if you're thinking about your business and your business future, you don't want to be 100% leveraged on Amazon if you can avoid mm -hmm. it. So you want yeah. to have a little bit more diversification and that's going to create you know, a more stable business for you. And these other sites are, you know, Home Depot's doing, they have an amazing online platform. They're doing a great job. Um, there's less competition. That's the other huge one for people to think about. So everybody's on Amazon because Amazon makes it so easy. Mm. And uh, these other sites, actually, they don't make it easy. And some of them make it actually hard to get on mm. because they need so many approvals. Um, and remember, we're talking about everybody from... Lowe's to Kohl's to Target, all of these different big box retailers, we call them our commerce for retailer commerce. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like Amazon. And then you have all these other guys. And if you add all them up, it, it can definitely be much larger percentage of your sales than Amazon would be. Uh, mm -hmm. Because, you know, there's, there's so many different options out there. So, um, you know, it gives you that diversity. There's less competition. And depending on the product category, mm -hmm. they, they could even be the market leaders, um, depending on your category. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that way of looking at it because Amazon is like the only that everyone is mentioning. But uh, you're the first one I, uh, first person I meet that says like, hey, <laughs> look at the, the the other ones as well. They can be interesting, and especially if it, if you add all all of those up, then uh, it can uh, have a big impact on your revenue. Yeah, exactly, and and it, and it's fun to help people, and we can help them not really in a tactical way. Like we can do all those things, but we help them in a really strategic way and build out a plan. And um, put them on a path, you know, for to really improve their business, not just, you know, improve their monthly sales. Because mm -hmm. there's there's so many things that you know. Because I mean, you're an you're an expert in e-commerce, and you can just kind of compare what you know to somebody who thinks they might know a lot, but they really don't. And mm -hmm. understanding how to improve, you know, maybe their email, um, you know, segmentations and click throughs, or their uh, conversion rates, like, you know, you can have 10x 
improvements on their business. So that's the same type of thing that we can do um, for companies on the other, you know, working with this, these uh, big box retailers. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so can you explain us a little bit how, how you approach that? Because you, you mentioned on your site, for instance, that you, well, that you get your clients on page one uh, of those sites. How, how do you do that? Sure. So, I mean, everything is, look, all of the algorithms are essentially the same for, um, for every, every algorithm for search is essentially the same. Now they're not, but what I mean by that is they generally have a, um, they're going to have indicators that are going to help you rank that are going to be based on velocity of sale. So if your sales are higher, you're going to beat the competition. If your conversion rate is higher, you're going to beat the competition. If your add to carts are higher, you're going to beat the competition. Those are the, the main things that are being, and also if your margin for the retailer is higher. So okay. when you think about those things, there's many, many ways to affect all of those points. And that's how we think. So we think strategically like that. I mean, you could do, it could be as, you know, from pointing advertising at a product to, to increase its conversions, to create a self fulfilling prophecy of staying on page one, because once it's there, it's going to be harder to move away from it because you're going to be by definition, if you're, you know, the first ranked product, you're going to be capturing the most sales. See, so there's, those are the types of, um, when when you, you know, the strategy is not complicated, but at the same time, a lot of people aren't thinking that direction. They're just thinking, um, I'm going to put a product up and you know, how come I'm not ranking Home Depot, <laughs> but Home Depot's got, you know, 10 pages in that category. So they have to have a way to decide who's going to rank. And, um, and then of course, you know, there's reviews. So, so all of those things, what you do is you basically say, okay, these are all the things that retailers are saying are important. How do I, uh, nudge up that signal to the retailer? You know, how do I increase yeah. conversion rate? How do I increase sales velocity? How do I increase how to carts? Um, how do I increase reviews? So on and so forth, mm-hmm. all the way down the line. And then you you can also map out all kinds of ways you could affect each and every one of those things. And then that's how we um, will drive uh, products up. Okay, cool. So and, and in your opinion, if you had to pick one, what has the biggest impact? Sales velocity is going to have the biggest impact pretty much for everybody. Okay. So, and how, you, so how can uh, you influence that? Uh, you can do that. Well, first of all, you, you just have to get more eyeballs on the product. So mm-hmm. let's say there's many ways you could drive external Facebook uh, um, advertising to the product. You could mm-hmm. drive influencer um, traffic to your product. You could drive people, sometimes will drive traffic from their own website, you know, to Amazon, for example, or you could do that to home people or, or whoever else. So it's about driving traffic. And then of course, working on conversion rates. So is the call to action correct? Is the product uh you know, is imagery and content. See, this is where it, there's a lot of work that can go into content. Um, mm-hmm. You know, are the images and videos done right and the, the bullet points and how is the consumer making that decision? And are we really selling the benefits to the customer? And is it, is it a uniquely positioned product? And if not, can we position it uniquely so that when the customer looks at it, they see why they should purchase this one versus a competition? All of those things are going to factor. So it's usually not just one thing. There's, you know, all mm-hmm. of the got to work on all of these different areas and have a team that really understands that. Um, and that's, you know, that, that's kind of how we think about it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Sounds like a, like a lot of work, but, uh, uh, as long as it pays off, I, I think that uh, it's, it's worth putting in the, in the time and the work. Absolutely. Um, so I, you also mentioned, uh, before something about influencer marketing. Um, and you know, you have some experience with that. Can you tell us a bit more about what, what exactly you have done or, or do sometimes for clients in terms of influencer marketing? 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. So influencer marketing is obviously a big buzzword and some people are maybe even turned off, you know, because they think of the Kardashians or they, they're just like, I can't <laughs> afford it. So it, 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 yeah, that's the problem is that it actually can create a, you know, it could have a negative connotation, but I would say what we think about influencer marketing is we think about building your brand and dominating YouTube. So we, we like YouTube influencers mm-hmm. um, ahead of Instagram. We think for products, you know, especially our products, because our own newer products are, you know, average order value is probably like 250 or something like that. So at $250, um, you know, people will think about that and research it before they purchase it. So depending on the client we're working with, if, you know, working with somebody right now and their, their uh, ticket price is $300. So, you know, and there's some competition. And so customers are going to do research. So what I like about YouTube is it's a longer format. Um, the influencer has time to talk about the product and say why they enjoy it. And they can kind of discover more features and functions of the product and go all the way through it versus like a quick Instagram post. Mm-hmm. And it also, the biggest thing I like is that it's evergreen. So it's like, you know, thinking of SEO and content and blogs. Um, it's like that. It's going to stay, it's going to live there for a long time. And depending on, you know, how you pick your keywords, you could dominate a category on YouTube and then your results are going to show on Google too. So mm-hmm. for all those reasons, we really uh, like using YouTube um, influencers. Yeah, and I, I, I like the nuance, especially for high ticket items. Uh, I, I never thought of, of it, but now that you're saying it, whenever I, I'm i going to buy something, let's say like $300 and up, I research on YouTube as well. Then I, I, I look up re- reviews and, and that kind of stuff on, on, on YouTube. And I never never realized I did that for high ticket items. But uh, yeah, I can uh, definitely uh, see that working. Uh, cool. Yeah. And, um, and it's easier. You know, you don't have to read a blog. You just have someone tell you. Yeah, so, absolutely. absolutely. And show you the product and the, it depends on, uh, it depends on what you're going to buy, of course, but uh, it, oftentimes the higher ticket items, they have more features and they have to be shown somehow and you want to know how it works exactly. So yeah, that's a, that's a cool thing about, about YouTube. Uh, but, and and how, how do you approach those influencers? What, uh, how do you approach them? What do you give in return? How that work? How does that work? Yeah. So what we've done is we've got a a proprietary platform and a system that we've put in place over a couple of years. Because when I, a couple of years ago, that was um, a big change we made, we made for the newer.com site was we're basically every time we have a product launch with new air and we're launching, you know, I mean, this year alone, we'll launch like 50 new SKUs. So every time Mm. we have a product launch, we are going to do influencer marketing. That's where we're going to put our money because I like the fact that, you know, we could do PR and we could do a paid advertising, but I like influencer marketing because it's long-term. It builds a brand. It mm-hmm. stays there forever. Uh, people are seeing it you know, two, three years from now. So we, what we did is we built out um, a lot of systems internally, and we have a remote team that's able to help with this. So we have a core team here in Cypress, California. So you know, 50 people in a where, we're in a kind of a warehouse office building, 115,000 square feet. It's so like a big building with 50 core people, but our influencer team, we can, um, it, they can be remote. And so we find mm-hmm. the best folks, they're remote. We have systems and processes in place that on how to properly negotiate with influencers. And then over that time, we've built a lot of um, relationships with influencers. So when you do that and you put it all together, we're able to really do this in a cost-effective manner, cheaper than anybody could do it themselves. And then also um, better is what we did is we built out these scorecards on how we rank the um, quality of the videos that are being produced. Meaning, you know, if you don't do that and you don't give them um, direction, now remember they're creative people, the, the influencers, so they want to 
they want to do it how they want to do it, which is better actually, because you want it to be authentic. And, mm. you, and, and, you know, if they don't like it, you actually don't want them to review it. It's got to be authentic. But at the other end of the spectrum, there's certain things we can request. Like, you know, we want to make sure we're working with good influencers that are going to provide value. So we have a really cool scorecard that will um, give us direction and know that we are making a positive impact. So those are put all those things together. And those are kind of the key elements of our program. Yeah, cool. So um, just for, for people who want to try this out, what are we talking about in terms of budget that they have to uh, keep in mind when they when they want to try this out? Yeah, and it's actually really inexpensive. Um, for mm-hmm. about $350 per SKU, you know, okay. you, you'll, you'll get one video or one engagement. So um, cool. yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty inexpensive. And, and then there may be some fee to the influencer, but it just depends, you know, on a higher price product, usually they'll just, they just want the product and they're fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's a really inexpensive product, then there may be, um, you know, a payment and all of that's disclosed, you know, with, with uh, the different laws that are in place. So all of that's disclosed. Everybody knows that, you know, the viewers know it, but that's why it's, the authenticity, like if you work with a good influencer, they have an audience because the audience trusts them. And so, course, yeah. yeah, they have, they have that integrity that they have to maintain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Um, and you mentioned that scorecard. What's on that scorecard exactly? Yeah. Okay. So all kinds of things like, uh, you know, making sure that the, um, the, the right keywords are in the, in the title. Okay. So we mm-hmm. want that video to be found by the right people. Uh, making sure that the product is kind of discussed in the first minute, making sure that there's a certain engagement level on the video when it's done, and mm-hmm. also that there's an engagement level in general with that influencer. Because, you know, you want to work with real influencers that earn their audiences, that didn't pay for their audience. So mm-hmm. you can you can understand that by looking at um, engagement level of their past videos and also the video that they're doing for you. And um, And then there's a bunch of other little proprietary metrics that we... Are tracking as well just to ensure that you know there's there's value being delivered okay um i think you mentioned also um reviews as as an important aspect and uh, as an indicator basically on on the sites to rank on on page one so is there anything you do specifically to to get more reviews absolutely so we're working with those influencers to get a review so if they like actually anyway either way they will review the product because it's good to get reviews even if it's a three-star so mm-hmm. they'll give an honest review of that product after they've used it. But okay. the good thing about that is now you can fast track those reviews. You know, you're not waiting, you're not listing a, a product on, you know, one of the, you know, Home Depot, Wayfair, or Amazon with zero reviews. So you can get mm-hmm. reviews, legitimate reviews. Um, and, and that's, uh, you know, there's other ways, there's other um, w- areas where you can send out products and get reviews. What we like about this better though, is working with us as the client um, isn't just sending a product for a review. They do get that, but then they're also getting this additional video and uh, even potentially an Instagram post. So they're getting additional creative um, creatives made about their product other than just a review. So it's kind of an all-in-one solution. Okay. Yeah, that's nice. Cool. Um, speaking in general terms about e-commerce, what do you believe are, are the, the keys to grow an e-commerce business in today's environment? I mean, you have a lot of experience. You started out in 2001, so all over the, those years have changed dramatically. But today, um, what do you believe are the keys to grow an e-commerce today? Yeah, I think, um, so I'd say something a little against the grain, and that is, you know, you have to do all these things right, like conversion rate and email segmentation and all of that and drive traffic. But the thing is, those are all table stakes. That's like 
anybody's going to have to do that. If you don't do that, mm-hmm. you're dead, you know? So yeah, that's a bare minimum. Yeah. You have to do that part. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people focus only on that. And I guess I would say the better, I mean, this may be obvious, but it's not obvious to everybody. The most important thing is you got to have a unique product offering so that mm-hmm. you're not competing head to head with other companies and, and Amazon and everybody else. I mean, if you don't have anything, if it's not that unique, if you're not giving the customer something different or better, and you can easily and clearly state that, then they're not going to buy from you because you're probably not going to ship as quick as Amazon. Mm-hmm. You're probably, your checkout's probably not going to be as easy as Amazon because everybody's got their information already uploaded into it. So you just lost out on, you know, two huge reasons why someone's not going to shop from you. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to overcome those. And I think um, in the future, you know, I think there is going to be an offering from Google, you know, you got Apple Pay, you have, there's something's going to happen where the payment side of that is going to be minimized a little bit where there, you know, mm-hmm. we're, and I think it's somewhat happening a little bit with Shopify and some of the, but it's not all the way across, um, you know, like the, the consumers are not, have not all bought in on one new payment platform. So Amazon's got a couple of big advantages. And so the main thing is you're not going to win there and you have to realize that. And so you got to pro- be able to provide a unique offering. And, and that's where I think um, people should focus on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, it's something that comes up quite often in the, in, in the interviews uh, we do for the, for the podcast and we'll also with other people I, I, I talk with um, outside of the podcast. It's like having a, a good brand and a unique offering is, is what really um, yeah, will make you win the game uh, if you just do like anyone else and or, or even worse, don't even have your own products. It's going to be harder and harder in, uh, yeah, in the future to keep the business alive, I guess. Yeah. And it's hard for new entrepreneurs, you know, it's not easy. So, but that's, mm. every business is hard. So they kind of have <laughs> that part of it and, and just realize it's going to be a grind at the beginning. Yeah. If you look back at, at all those years, all that experience, um, if you would start over again, is there something you would do differently? Um, wow. That's a good question. There's like a million things I would do differently. I'd probably have better, uh, probably just better inventory control mm-hmm. internally, you know, cause, cause a lot of times, I mean, there's a lot of things, look, I'm still learning, you know, and I hire people that are better. Luckily now I can hire really, really good people that are, you know, a lot better at each of these individual areas than I am, but probably early on, I would probably have better financial controls and better inventory controls. And I think those things are usually not the first things on an entrepreneur's mind. They just want to like grow sales. Mm-hmm. But those are important things you learn later on. Those are really, really important things. Um, but, you know, there's not as much fun you know, when you're building a business. You just want to sell. And, and I like sales and I like marketing. And, uh, and then, um, so yeah, it's good if people are, you know, they're in school and they're taking that accounting class and, and being good and understanding accounting and, and why you should, as you're growing a business, why, why you should understand that and, and the goals you can set is, is, uh, is, is a really, really, really good thing to do. I think the problem is if people are really focused on that, then, you know, they can become kind of, uh, kind of stale. And that's why a lot of entrepreneurs don't start from those backgrounds, you know, cause those are very, um, in those backgrounds, you have to be a little bit more cautious, I think. So it's, um, it, it's a balance, but I'm, but it's, I, at the same time, a big miss, um, probably on my part and a lot mm-hmm. of people who've started businesses, it's, it's, um, I'm sure some, an area that if they look back, they wish they had better controls in place. Yeah, and I get that. I, I mean, uh, many entrepreneurs I know, uh, 
and I'm an entrepreneur myself. I mean, we're focused on on the sales part, the marketing part, the uh, ideation, and 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 just moving forward as quickly as possible. But uh, yeah, the rest seems a bit boring, maybe. But it's it's super essential uh, uh, to have have good controls in place um, for your business. Yeah, and also just knowing the laws, you know, because I, I I read that you know I think you're living in Spain now, you're in Belgium, and yeah. And- you know, every country and every area is going to have laws. So here in, you know, in America, there's different laws in California than there's going to be in Texas. And just there's usually those you don't have to worry about as much until you're bigger because there's more ramifications as you grow. But just understanding those things and, and what limitations and how that you should think differently about building your team um, is also good for people to understand when they're uh, smaller and starting out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe long, one last question about your podcast. So you run the page one podcast. Um, I know it's a tough question, but let's say our listeners want to check your podcast out. Um, which episode would you recommend they start with? Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's like a choosing between okay, so, <laughs> so listen, so I just, I would say this because it's a fun, it's a fun episode. So I just, I have like a lot of great episodes, by the way. Um, uh-huh. But uh, Paul Caroso, a good friend and really good guy. He was early on, probably like episode five or something like that, right around that area. And but I just recorded one with a, on a brand called Z Line. Uh-huh. Had a couple, had like the whole you know, three people from the marketing team, and uh, it was uh, it's a phenomenal company. So I would say that the podcast is focused around consumer brands. So it is a, it's a pretty niche topic, you know. And but I wanted to do it that way because I. Because it kind of falls in line with what I'm doing with retail bands, so it's just mm-hmm. around consumer products. And um, Z Line that episode will be going live probably in December, and that will be um, it. Just there, there's some fun and funny jokes, but also I learned a ton because um, the team that's running their marketing is really amazing. So that's where I think the audience will gain a lot of benefits from listening to that one. And the podcast is Page One um, with the number one, so Page One podcast. All right. Perfect. Hey, look, uh, this has been absolutely great and, and very interesting and we could probably go on for a long time now, but um, we're running out of time. And before we go, I want to make sure that our listeners know um, yeah, where they can find you, learn more about you, uh, connect with you. Uh, what, what's the best place for, for them to go? Oh, sure. And thanks for having me on the podcast, yours. It's been uh, really a pleasure and enjoy your style. And listeners can find me on LinkedIn. I think that's the easiest way. So just Luke Peters on LinkedIn, or you can email me at luke at newair.com. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here, Luke. It's been absolutely brilliant. Take care. Thank you. The e-commerce excellence podcast is sponsored by Dexter.agency. We help e-commerce business owners scientifically increase revenue without needing more traffic. Ready to discover a more reliable way to increase conversion and, more importantly, revenue? Register for our free training, The 5 Transformations That Double E-Commerce Profits, at dexter.agency webinar.